like the American dream, right? It's like you, you spend your life working for your retirement. Golly, what a lot of shit, man. I would tell young Lori to slow down and allow the season to do its work. Don't say healthy, don't say happy. Don't say well, and don't say normal. You show me one person on the planet who's healthy, happy, normal, and well. Who is that person? Is there something good that can be gained quickly? I don't know. Guys, welcome back to the Ensigns Podcast. We are excited today to have a conversation with Bart Hansen, a member of the team at if you've listened all the way back through, he uh, joined us for a talk on money, which feels like a year ago now. It might actually <laughs> might have been be. a year ago. Um, We've all run out since then. <laughs> exactly. So we need other things to talk about. <laughs> it feels a little odd to be telling these kind of stories in the sterile environment of the podcast studio. Normally, stories of adventure get shared around fires and in your awesome workshop. And that feels like a little bit more fitting. But, you know, for today, we wanted to... Here we to, are. To bring, yeah, we wanted to talk about some stories. Bart, you've got some pretty rascally ones from when you were a kid, and I know that you identified with the movie October Sky. You used right. to use some of the, the clips from that. Didn't you have some rocket building back in the day? Oh, yeah. We, uh, well, you know, just to frame, I was born in, uh, on West Texas, out in West Texas, and, and on the plains of West Texas, not a lot to do out there, just flat prairie. And uh, especially in the wintertime. And I remember um, what kind of got us into this rocket thing was we were in my friend's garage, a real cold day, and the wind was blowing out of the north, and you just didn't want to be outside. So we're in his garage, garage closed. We find an old spent CO2 cartridge, you know, the kind that they yeah. use in gas pellet guns and that kind of thing. So we drill the end of that out. You knew Begin. it was spent before you started drilling. Yeah, it was spent. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to. You don't want to drill into <laughs> one of those. with compressed gas. And I probably ought to just say at the preface here. You know, it, it's probably not advisable to go out and try to do these things. <laughs> so basically, anything Bart does. <laughs> do not attempt at home. <laughs> yeah. So we drill this thing out big enough to get a match head through, and so we went through his parents' house. This was back in the '60s, and you know everybody smoked, so matches were all over the place. So we got these matches, cut all the match heads off, filled this thing up with match heads, and we put a firecracker fuse in this thing. And we just had very low expectation that this, you know, might have a little fire come out the end, and that's about it. So we set it on the concrete floor, garage door closed, lit the fuse, and we're just kind of standing around it, you know. We watched the fuse kind of burn into the thing, and God, pow, man, this thing just big flash, blows us all back, and we're just kind of like, what was that? Did it explode? It didn't explode. It actually launched, and it <laughs> took out a panel of the garage door about you know twelve by twelve, and <laughs> oh my gosh. and we looked at each other with just excitement, saying we are onto something really good. Here, you know? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and so we started scaling this thing up. The last um, launch that we did on this, we went to an electrical supply house, and they had these long aluminum pipes and so we found one that was an inch and a half in diameter and so we cut off a piece and bought a five foot piece of this and the paper towels that you roll around the cardboard tubes would fit exactly into that so we went to the grocery store and we filled up probably an entire grocery cart full of matches (laughs) we're going through the checkout stand and i'm sure they're laying these guys are pyromaniacs you know and so 
took us a long time to cut all these match heads off, but we had five of these cardboard tubes filled full of thousands of match heads. So we go down to a machine shop and we get a nozzle that would increase the thrust into this thing to kind of taper it down to 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 make it really really go fast. We t- turned a nose cone out in a lathe and put we put. Um, uh, fins on this thing. I mean, this thing looked like a little sparrow missile. You guys are you taking know? this seriously. Oh You're yeah, like, that's yeah. The match yeah. heads paints almost the wrong picture here. You, you guys are dedicated to this <laughs> this bomb that you've created. Right, right. And so, so it was a night before the big launch that we had planned to go out and launch this thing. And you know, it was kind of like October sky. We were going to see how high this thing would go. So, night before, my friend Danny says, "Hey, why don't you come on over and let's load the rocket?" So we go over there and. And about the time I got there, his parents took off, said, Danny, we got a few errands to run. We'll see you a little later. And so we pulled the rocket out, this five-foot tube, and we had these five cartridges that we were going to load the rocket. And so we took the nozzle out, dropped the first one in, dropped the second, third, fourth, and the fifth. And when we got the fifth one in, there wasn't enough room. There was some space in between these in between these things, that, and so th- we, we couldn't complete the loading until we got the space out from between those things. So kind of would tamp it down on the floor, and it didn't go. So my friend Danny goes over to the broom closet, gets a broom, and starts poking it in. And these match heads, you know, were the kinds that you strike anywhere. Uh, and so, like, say, against a, a broom handle? <laughs> yeah, a broom handle. And so he hits this thing, and you hear this, <laughs> and this thing just launches it ignites we're in his dining room (laughs) and um and so this thing just became like a firestorm in there and this thing just took off it didn't have the nozzle if it if it had the nozzle in it i don't know what would have happened it probably just stalled and just blown up but this thing just started going and hitting the walls and just ricocheting off the walls and coming out the back of this thing these match heads were coming out at such a rate it was like an acetylene torch and it just you know, went by the curtains, just cut them off, and on fire, you know, furniture on fire, and he had this dog named Rebel, he was a Cocker Spaniel, and this thing made a pass by a Rebel, all these match heads were Im- embedded into his side, he's running around, we jumped under the dining room table, and, and um, but we're watching this thing, I mean, it, it, it burned out in just a few seconds, but it seemed like it was a long time, so when this thing finally hit the wall and stopped, you know, the furniture's on fire, the place is full of smoke, so we opened the back, they had a sliding glass door there, brought the hose in, and we're hosing everything down to this <laughs> house to oh, put these gosh. fires out. I don't know how much time elapsed, but this thing, we opened the back door to let the smoke out and so forth, and it, it had turned dark, and so all of a sudden we heard the garage door opener come, here comes Danny's parents, and so... Um, we, we hear the back door open and cause we can't see, there's so much haze in the house. We can't see. So we see appearing through the haze, his parents are coming in. And as they get close, closer to the epicenter of this thing, they just see the destruction that this thing has caused His match heads just embedded into everything. And, uh, his dad comes in and his mom looks into the living room and it's just destroyed, you know, and she starts crying and, and, uh, into the family room in the other direction where, he, his easy chair where he'd watch the Dallas Cowboys, it's gone, you know, just destroyed. <laughs> oh, no. And the dining room table has just got this smoke rising from it. It was just kind of this surreal 
place that we're standing there. And so with an inch of water from the hose at your feet. Yeah, right. Yeah. And everything's wet. And and so I remember his dad, um, as his mom was just kind of walking around viewing all the destruction, crying, and his dad was smoking a pipe. And Danny and I were standing there just kind of sheepishly looking at the floor, kind of looking up at him, and he was smoking his pipe. I'll never forget his words. He looked at me, and he looked at Danny, and looked at me again, and he, and he pulled his pipe out and says, kind of burn it up, didn't you, Danny boy? <laughs> <laughs> Sudden deal. Yes. I mean, it, it destroyed the house. I mean, I just... Kind of burn it up as the, right. like, the understatement. Right. Of, I mean, like half the value of the house was had to be replaced. It was amazing. Oh, I love that story so much because it's not my house. The answering the age-old question of what happens when you set off 10,000 match heads in a tube in your dining in room. In your dining room. Yeah. It's just yeah. fantastic. I mean, we made some pipe bombs, but we never attained that level of oh, destruction. Oh, we dabbled a little bit in the uh, amateur... Uh, rocketry? Pi- rocketry? Yeah. yeah didn't we, all? We, uh, we got one of those Estes rockets. I mean, they've got the cartridge all packaged for sure. you, so you don't have to meddle with it. But the naturally, we yeah. needed to. So we, yeah. we cut it open. Right. Saw the gunpowder kind of has different types. We wanted to see, like, they must burn differently, right? This one's kind of chalky. This one's darker. And so we had them all out in the driveway on this uh, wooden board, and we were going to light them all and kind of see how they reacted to fire differently. It kind of looked like a chemistry lab. Like, we're talking, you know... Uh, Four by eight board, and every you know couple feet there was a little cone right. of uh, a gun, fuel. Uh, some kind of gunpowder. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, so we light the match to ignite the first one, and the whole thing goes. The <laughs> next thing we know, our faces are just in this this cloud of black smoke. There's it's literally a, a mushroom, oh there was literally a mushroom cloud just, that just whoosh, boom. so just the sparks ignited everything. Oh, we yeah. didn't think oh, about yeah. the fact that there's right. just gunpowder right. all across right. it. Right. And, you know we. Hadn't really cleaned the surface. <laughs> but it, it was an interesting experiment. Oh, the ignorance that we had. So, the conversation is not actually about amateur explosives. Uh, the conversation is about some things that you've led us into and led a lot of guys into in understanding adventure and understanding the heart's need for adventure. So, just to frame this conversation... How do you sort of begin to lay out adventure as it relates to the masculine soul, and in this case, young men? Right. Well, I just think the nature of man is is to to take risks and and to trust God. I mean, that that's the invitation of God is to invite us into risk taking, and that is synonymous with adventure. I mean, it, it's it's in the DNA of the heart of a man. To live an adventure, and I, you know, I kind of most of my life, I thought adventure was, you know, kind of what we talked about, you know, just your episode with your rocketry and mine, and you just kind of did that every now and then, and and uh, you planned these things. But I think when, when a man becomes who he was made to be by God, every day is adventure, and um, I started to uh, to think about that truth, and I. Th- as I thought about that, I just said, you know, we're really made to live an adventure. Everything is an adventure if we're made to be who we were made to be. So invitation from God, and he invites us into it. You know, there's kind of three kinds of adventure, a casual adventure and crucial adventure and epic, and we'll probably talk about those. But, you know, the casual adventure, I think God is in all these adventures, but I don't want to over-spiritualize 
you know, the things that we do, you know, we just are boys, you know, just out, just trying things out, just like your story, just like my story. And so there's something to be said for just the innocence and kind of the ignorance of that, of how we learn by just experimentation and, and the predicaments that we find ourselves caught up in. But adventure is part of a man's heart. It's part of the invitation of the masculine soul. Oh, man, that's so, so good. Like any man you meet will have stories like this. Yes. They, they might be different. Right. I didn't burn down my parents' kitchen, for instance, <laughs> but they're all there and they're all kind of coming out at the seams. Were you telling us that Chris was doing something called tray boarding back when he was in high yeah, school? Yeah, yeah. You know, my brokenness in adventure, you know, just chasing, not really assessing the risk and just keep doing this stuff as I'm growing older, living in small stories and adventure. And we'll talk about that. But he was kind of just hearing my stories and he'd hear me tell him, people laugh. Well, that's just his invitation to, I got a one-up dad, you know. And totally. so came home one day and and I saw this tray this from a fast food restaurant, you know, leaning by the back door. And I picked it up and I turned it over and it's just melted across the back, just streaks, just melting. So I'm like, oh, what is this? So I walked upstairs and said, Chris, what is this? And he said, oh, dad, that's our new sport called tray boarding. Oh, well, what's that? He said, well, you just put it down on the street on the asphalt and you stand on it and you hold on to the side of a car under the car handles and you just kind of you kind of surf along the side of the car i said oh that's pretty cool uh, what do you go five ten miles an hour and he says no we're up to 70 miles an hour and i'm Jeez. like whoa whoa time out time out time out and you know the good thing is is i caught him before he was a casualty of his own stupidity, right? Man. which I have a lot of that and have lived in a lot of that. And we all do. Figuratively speaking, we all get our hands burned when we get too close to the fire. There's so much in there already. I love your familiarity with this because I think you've already said basically enough. And if we can unpack even half of what you understand about adventure, we will be wealthy just when you say that when we become who God intends for us to be, every day will be an adventure. Right. Obviously, that entails a pretty significant reframing of adventure and also what God intends for us. And, and then you mentioned these categories. And could you just take a minute and explain, because they've been really helpful for me. You use the tool of casual adventure, mm -hmm. crucial adventure, and mm -hmm. epic adventure kind of show three different types in the life of a man just one at a time what is casual adventure yeah i i think casual adventure is you know it, it doesn't really need to be a, a large story it's just something that we're attracted to it's probably different for all each one of us for for blaine maybe it's you it's you like to go climbing you like to go hiking you maybe it's for me it's i like to go running Sam, maybe for you, it's, it's, you know, mountain biking or, I mean, you guys, you guys took up unicycling. I mean, that, that was an awesome casual adventure. And, um, but it can be anything like that. And, you know, there's, there's risk in it. There's an invitation because it, it does require something of us, but it's not really a large story to live in. You know, flying was has been a big part of mine, but, you know, that's everybody has a different thing. And, 
And at 67 years old, I'm still looking for casual adventures. So here's my latest casual adventure. We've just moved to Colorado Springs. I found that I had access to an outdoor heated lap pool. And uh, so I usually go over there when it's the worst weather. I went over there at an ice storm the other night. I was the only one there. Got out, and all I can do is the backstroke because of all these adventures I've had. I've had so many back surgeries and and neck fusions and, and uh, vertebrates fused that all I can do is the backstroke. And so I just get in that pool and go back and forth, and it's a great time with God. You know, I, I can't do a lot at 67, but that's my new casual adventure. But casual adventure is just, it's whatever appeals to each person. And you can't let your casual adventure or what another man does intimidate you or diminish you into what you like to do. I'm kind of a late life reader and I read about a lot of adventures and I I think that helps to frame our adventures. So that's that's kind of casual adventure. What I love about the the framing of casual adventure is it at once doesn't diminish. Right. Like it, it lets those things that we need on a deep level be blessed. Like yeah, go do that because you yes. need it. It's not too small. Right. And at the same time, as it doesn't diminish, it also doesn't elevate. Yes. It's like, no, 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 like this isn't actually that big of a story. Like swimming in a heated pool in an ice storm is awesome. Like, right. And it's swimming in a heated pool in an ice storm. Like right. it's not your whole life. You can't build it around just that story. So it's super helpful for me because it just, it feels like these very set parameters. It's a blessing and it's also uh I think a reality check. Yeah, and I th- here's 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 kind of a test I've got on casual adventure. If it's kind of right for you or it's not, it's it's like whatever adventure you're contemplating, are you looking forward to experiencing it or looking forward to getting it over with? And if oh. if, if it's getting it over with, then there's something in there that's not quite right. I spent a lot of years of my life running. Running is, was a great adventure, and. And I had a lot of joy, but somewhere along the way, that got hijacked with longer runs, longer runs and, you know, marathons. And I did a handful of marathons. Now it's ultra marathons. And I trained for two of them and never ran them because I got injured. It took the joy out of it because I I just kind of was looking for my validation. And like, if I could do that, then, man, I'm cool. Mm. It's such a valuable test. Yes. There's so many times. It's so important for so many reasons. Casual adventure. There are times that I've finished a work week with kind of a glazed expression, feeling like, man, I just need, you know, worship, quiet time, like some connection with God, which is true. But what Em will sometimes say is, I think you just need a bike ride. Like, right. this is this is just very a basic need of your soul for a little wilderness a little speed, and I'm not doing anything crazy. We're talking yes. about a mountain bike ride nearby, and there is a level of adventure there. One thing I've taken from you is that casual adventure only becomes problematic, or maybe you can you can see when someone is taking their entire need for adventure into casual adventure when it starts sort of escalating exponentially, when it goes, when you see, yeah, I'm not going to just go for my mountain bike ride. We're going to ride mountain bikes down a cliff face in Moab right. wearing parachutes. And it kind of goes, well, that's a crazy thing to do, but 
You try to make that the whole You're story. You're trying to yes. make that the story. Yes. You keep calling it yeah. small story, larger story. Yeah. Me riding a mountain bike is not a big enough story to feed my heart. And because of that, no matter what level I attain, it's not going to feed these deeper needs for qualitatively distinct, for different kinds of adventure, which kind of gets us into, there's the casual box. The next one is you call crucial. What's crucial adventure? Crucial adventure would be, you know, I'm graduating from college and what's my career path? You know, that whatever that is, maybe it's going back to graduate school. That that's a crucial adventure. Larger story has more specificity with the story of your life, with your desire, hopefully. And uh, maybe it's starting a company. Maybe it's doing a magazine. You know, uh, just a lot of a lot of things that has a, a larger story that requires more of you. And and I think this is kind of where spiritually we start to walk with God in a deeper way to really begin to ask him every step along the way as you walk with him, you know, God, what, what do I do here? You're, you're, you're looking for wisdom and revelation from God. So I think one of my biggest crucial adventures was my partner and I, we started a home building company. I was 29 years old. My partner was 28. We didn't have two nickels to rub together. And somehow, somehow, and, and this is shortly after I became a Christian, so we were really kind of attuned to God and asking him how we could do this because interest rates were super high. People just couldn't afford to buy houses. But what we found is all the builders were choking on their inventory and we didn't have any. And and we found a way and God kind of navigated us through the way of starting a building company in this environment where people would have said, that's just foolishness. And we became very successful pretty quickly. But we risked everything because you know, we signed our lives away. We signed loans and so forth because we didn't have anything to lose. And um, but as time went on, you know, we, you know, you you start to evaluate that risk and and so forth. But but that was that was a crucial adventure for us in that we we it was a larger story. We were walking with God, and and we really needed God to show us the way. And you guys could, I mean, we could go around the table and probably talk about that one for a long time. So barometers, tests, what, what's the thing? You'll look at someone's story and you'll be able to say whether that's crucial or if it's just casual. What are some categories there? Yeah, I, I think casual casual adventure would, would be just I, I, need to, I need to go out and just air my heart out, you know, uh, with, with a, a, a climb up the incline or a, or a mountain bike ride or a swim at night, you know. That's that's a casual adventure. Crucial adventure, boy, that's that's got a lot of lifetime over the horizon in mm. a, in in a trajectory that that now you're you've got a significant investment in into the long term. But both both of those things have risks and and there's an unknown factor in all of that, especially in crucial adventure cuz you know, we we were headed into markets we didn't know, and we hit cycles in our home building business. It went up and down and up and down, and it was truly an adventure, mostly an adventure we didn't want when the cycles were down, but adventure isn't always of our own choosing. Hmm. A lot of crucial adventure, we just find ourselves overcome by circumstances, and that, that could happen in a casual adventure as you're you know, maybe you're you're out hunting and you get lost at night and there's you don't have a way to navigate yourself out and all of a sudden 
your adventure becomes pretty crucial. Right. It's the Yvonne Chouinard quote. Yes, if things right. going wrong, yes. that's when it actually starts. Right. What's interesting is I find almost like a fear of heights response to some of the scenarios you're naming for the crucial adventure stuff. Yes. Like even the, okay, you've just graduated from college and you got to find your career. I, I feel like I'm, I can actually feel the fear of heights like right, thing in right. the base of my stomach. Right. Like, and yet there's no ledge around, but there's still that same kind of primal fear like, okay, yeah, you're, you're talking high stakes table now. Yes. Yes. High ramifications for your life. And I remember I remember graduating from college, and I I really wasn't really truly following my heart. And I went to work for, large at that time, the largest company in the world. And I found I hated it. I, I did really well. I got promotion after promotion, was moving up the ladder fast, had a promising career there. And after three years, I just, I, I quit. I'd, I'd quit and moved to the. That's when I moved to the West Coast from, from Texas, and and just started at the very bottom. That was really my crucial adventure of, of leaving what was secure, what everyone said you're you're a fool for leaving this because you've got a great future here, and I left and I found myself at the bottom of a ditch, uh, cleaning out manholes with a shovel. But that was a beginning, my crucial adventure that took me on an adventure of my heart that got me in the home building business. I just love it. Some of the places that I see these happening right now. And and this is a small, crucial adventure. I'll talk about the ways that it involves the life of my heart in just a second. But it started simply with Em and I bought a house this year and in the backyard I'd had this long vision since before we started thinking about owning a house of a space to write and make art and sort of disciple guys, the cigar barn slash. And, you know, there was a shed that was out there that I tore down and then it kind of became, you know, what's the minimum viable product shed? But at each stage, there's just been enough of the invitation from God of me being like, well, I'm just going to do a really simple you know, either metal two by four or skid foundation, get this thing sure. going. And yeah, but then just the prompting from God on now figure out a pier foundation. And, and then, you know, I'm just going to throw up weatherproof OSB plywood. And he's like, nah, you ought to frame it and go ahead and sheathe it. And right. it could be just building a shed. But in my life with God right now, every new stage has been, I just don't know how to do this. Right. And so inviting you know, calling the older guys I know who know how to build and asking, hey, uh, quick question for you. What would you do if one of your walls wasn't plumb? Just not for me. I'm asking for a friend. Right, <laughs> like, right. And I keep finding the sort of places in me that want to stay in arenas where I'm in charge and I know how to do it and everything's fine. On the one hand, is a small step. I'm yes. just building. On the other hand, it's been this place where all of this territory in my life with God gets exposed oh, yes. on, like, I'm totally unqualified to be the man living my life right now. I don't know how to do this. And in fact, I don't know how to do a ton of other things. And right. it becomes this funnel that opens outward into maturing in my life with God. I would have never said, oh, this shed building is going to become this crucial adventure that's going to be some of the real in-progress territory in my life with God. But it's happened. Yes. Oh, Blaine, that's a beautiful example because just going and building a shed, I mean, 
that could be categorized as a casual adventure, but it's a frontier with God for you yes. of, of being initiated and learning and figuring things out for yourself and going and getting help with it. But I think, I think what, makes it, what makes it crucial and even beyond that is the vision that you had for it. See, that's, that begins to develop the story that you're living in an adventure, that the story's getting larger because now it begins to involve how you can invite other people in in a journey of their own heart. Mm, so good. There's a third category here. Yes. The epic. That's a good transition, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about the epic. The epic, when we think of epic, you know, we think of some of the things that you were commenting a little earlier, you guys, of just guys doing just crazy wild things. Maybe it's, you know, I think there's like six guys that can qualify for the motorcycle race on the Isle of Skye. And I mean, those, if you've watched those things, it's crazy. And those guys come off their bikes and they they die. I mean, they just, they die because they're going 160 miles an hour. I mean, it's just incredible. Maybe it's free base jumping off of these you know, cliffs that these guys, and they've got the flying suits and, and they can take, you know, some horizontal, they start moving horizontally as they're dropping. And so the challenge is to stay above the rocks and the trees and so forth. And, you know, they go down to the last possible second and deploy their parachute. Now, now they're using no parachutes and they're hydroplaning onto a lake somewhere from some precipice. So we think of, when we think of adventure and put that together, uh, with that, that's kind of what we think is epic adventure. But let me put these two words together for epic adventure. Adventure and love. So what's your reaction to that? They seem Man, not I get, to yeah, be compatible, I was gonna say, do they? Part of, it, part of it goes, part of me go, sighs a little bit and goes, oh, really? I don't know. Right, and then, right. It just doesn't seem to fit. There just, is part, but there is a little sphincter factor, too, of, oh, Oh, I don't know if I want what's coming next. Mm. What could this mean? Yeah, because I think I think when we when we're talking about the progression of adventure, we're talking about this about the 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 story getting larger and larger and larger. I think the greatest adventure is really uh, motivated by our ability to love and to be loved. And when we when we risk love, especially where it's hard to do. It unlocks it. I think it unleashes a, a real power that is borrowed from the gospel because gospel, the gospel is about unconditional love, God's unconditional love to us. And so when we choose to do that, because that's what the greatest commandments are, are, are foundational in Scripture, love God and love, love people. And, and when you do that, oh my gosh, the adventure that comes out of that and sometimes it's really messy because we, adventure isn't just always about laughs. Adventure is about the dark with the light. But when you choose to love, you unlock the power of the kingdom and you bring the kingdom into your life. It's so what about a story? <laughs> I, I don't oh, want to say, I, right. I, I don't, right. I can I think that. of my own, I just don't want to talk about it. <laughs> right. Right. I, I mean, I, you guys could probably, as you start to think of this category, you say, good night. I really am living epically in this. I mean, I think it's, for for any of us, it's available every day in the world that we live of just by choosing to love the people that we come into contact with. 
you know. And this is hearkening back to the comment you made earlier of when you are living as the man you're meant to be. Yes, exactly. Every day, every day is adventure. That's that's really where, where we're going. And I think what God's inviting us into in adventure is every day we just live adventure because we're the men that we were made to be. Now, you know, you know, part of my old broken masculine self just says, love, that just seems kind of a little wuss and so forth. But you know, First John four eight says that there's there's no fear in love. That love pushes back all fear. And so when we're motivated out of love to engage with people, we're in a position to take the greatest risks because there's no fear when love is your motive. Mm. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. When is. you think about that, with the idea of adventure being loving and loving other people or engaging and moving in love, there's a, there's a massive amount of disruption there. Yes. Because the adventure genre has become its own world. Adventure sports, adventure lifestyle, adventure magazines. I mean, you can kind of get branded like that. And it's this nice, you actually get to leave some of the messiness of people behind. Yes. Because the idea of me in my Land Rover in the sand dunes is me in my Land Rover in the sand dunes. It's not me... And my neighbor, who's really frustrating. Right. But the call to engage others, to engage even people that are close, out of love, being an adventure and being free from fear. Like, I want that. I want to be able to engage and move towards without there being that fear of heights feeling in my stomach that the college example had. Yes. That would be awesome. And talking about frontier, when you engage with people, especially where it's pretty risky, and you engage with love. I, there's a lot of frontier in that. And even even after 39 years of marriage, my marriage is a lot of frontier. And I can choose to love. And the response that I get from that, as opposed to just, you know, just surviving with a relationship, oh my gosh, there's huge adventure in all of that. Yeah, man, we get on some holy ground here. I think of recently having a conversation with a friend where I was just sharing some hunting stories and about some of the things we get to experience chasing elk here in Colorado. Yes. And I was sharing this story about downed elk and headlamps and a sled and you know the oncoming dark and all of these elements of just high drama and I could tell as they were asking about it what's that like and man that must be amazing there was the moment where I really had to be honest and go you know I have to say it's not that hard like it has a uh, irreplaceable beauty to it but I go there's a simplicity to that adventure Yes, solving problems presented by nature and there aren't any people whose hearts have needs when you're el- when I'm elk mm-hmm. hunting mm-hmm. and there aren't any conversations with my wife about how our parenting is going that need to be had there's right. there's a kind of ease to it and that I think how I would name that ease is is the ease of it's it's casual and it's crucial and every once in a while it also is epic but it's not as hard and it's not even as demanding as earlier in this Christmas season, I knew that a very difficult conversation with a friend was coming, and I had right. been asking Jesus to set it up, and I had in my mind how it would go, and 
I kind of pictured myself, you know, going to their house and we'd be on the porch and hopefully with a cigar when I would raise some things that I think Jesus wanted me to raise with them. And then the moment happened totally unexpectedly where all of a sudden we're one-on-one in this social gathering and I feel the Holy Spirit prompt, this is your moment. Bring it up now. Start that conversation now. And the level of sort of terror plus consignment to the will of God to just go, no, this is the most loving thing that can be done in this moment is to raise this. It is a box and a category that nothing else feeds. Yes, yes. And to love with integrity during those moments, I mean, I— what what comes out the other side? I mean, that's what that's what builds the kingdom. What that's what brings the kingdom. And most of the time, it's not pretty and it's not fun, but it's epic and it's adventure. What I want to ask is, how did you? You know, you've talked about how you built risk taking and your crucial adventure in your building company, but some of the stories that you'll share at this point in your life, discipling men, just the shrinkage factor of, oh my gosh, what would I say in that moment where you shared a story recently where, you know, you were with some men as you do and inviting them to share a little more out of their stories. And one of the guys said, you know, looks up at you and goes, I don't know why I want to share my effing story with you. And you somehow have just developed, you've become the person who can spit right back, I don't know, I want to hear your effing story. And I just, (laughs) I listen to that and go, wow, how did you develop the ability to take those epic risks in relationship? I can just imagine myself listening to this podcast going, I know what those conversations are. I know who the people are that I'm called to love, but... I don't feel like I'm the person who could handle that conversation once it gets started. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, a little bit more on that story. I mean, it's as you said, he he said he didn't know if he wanted to share my fucking story. story. We're dropping it, man. Right. Okay. And then (laughs) and then I said, okay, I I don't think I want to hear your fucking story. And his next thing was, you just said fuck. And I said, yeah. He says, I think I like you all better already. And that opened a dialogue for us. We led the guy to Christ the next day. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, oh it was... It's, it comes back to the, the fear piece, right? Because right, there's exactly. a fear in you of, if I move towards this person, right. I might not be enough to handle the situation. Yes. I think our motives in, the, in that case always has to be love. Hmm. That's so good. What I love about these categories, Bart, and where I kind of want to bring us in for a landing, is that almost the benediction that you, you do need all of these three. And you can't just live in one of them. You can't just be like, well, I just do casual now because that's safe. Right. That's not actually living in adventure. And the the high stakes epic actually does sound exhausting to do that all the time. Like I become some hybrid of like Mother Teresa and Jesus. And I'm not quite there yet. I'm close. But I'm not quite there yet. (laughs) And and so what what would you offer in terms of like the, how how do guys walk out these three categories? Well, I think, I think number one, we all need casual adventure. We, we all need just what's good for our hearts, just to go out. You know, me at my age, to go out and swim laps in a, in a warm, heated pool and in bad weather, that's the best thing for my heart. I mean, most guys are probably going, that's the most boring thing I've ever heard of. But for me, 
That's that's what I need. And I got a shot of that last night, and oh, my body feels really good today because of it. So I, I need that. And my crucial adventure is, hey, I'm still I'm still uh, I'm I'm looking at investing. I'm I'm doing some things here and there. I'm I'm looking at doing some things with my son. That's kind of in that crucial category of of launching an enterprise with him. And I I'm really energized by that. And I I love I love kind of walking through the risk of that with my son. I think it's it's a it's a great opportunity for him, and it's. It, it, it blesses my heart in the spirit of adventure that I, I love to go on those frontiers because I, I lived much of my life in that. But I think this epic is something that, is, as you said, you, you just can't live in that all the time. But I think, I think when we began to be the men that God made us to be, the epic adventure is just a natural outflow of our lives. And it just happens as you're in life. You find yourself in those those categories where most people would say, I, what did you do? Well, you're walking with God and God gives you what you need to love with integrity in the place where you are and love wins out always. When we become the man that God made us to be, every day is adventure. 